Good morning, everybody. And welcome to the Eritreans. Delighted to have you here. It's a surprise. (laughs) If you've got your notes there, um, we promised you about three or four times a year, about three or four weeks of every year, that we would dedicate those weeks to talking about finances. Um, And that's what today is one of those days. It's, it's a critical topic. It's a very touchy topic. Amen? Amen. Very touchy topic. If you, want to get, if you want to cause trouble, talk about money. Right? It's a really hot potato that nobody wants to deal with. But I tell you this, folks. May God forgive the church, the pastors, the leaders, the cell leaders who avoid this topic. May God forgive you. You know, it's, it, it's crazy to think that we should be, I don't know, frightened of our people because I've had members come up and threaten me. You touch that one more time and I'm out of here. Fine. I'm not answerable to you. I'll never be threatened by you. I'll never be threatened by anybody. Right? Amen? Amen? So I don't care what you think or whether you like it or you don't like it. That's not my criteria. I need to preach whatever's in the Bible. Right? Without apology. Without asking anybody's permission, either those over me or, ab- or beneath me. Either way, I don't care. If this system I'm in does not line up with biblical, you know, the way I see it, I wouldn't be here. I'm happy with VFC. I'm happy with our, you know, general doctrine and guidance. But I tell you, when it comes to finances, this is a bigger issue. Mark my words. Trust me. Keep listening. This is a far bigger issue for you and your life and everything to do with your life than you currently realize. You say, oh, I do. I don't think you do. I don't think 99% of Christians really don't get it when it comes to the Missions Faith Pledge, when it comes to tithing and offerings. I am I, still shocked by the lack of understanding, by the primary school type approach that we have. And yet, mistakenly, we can slap ourselves on the back because of our attitude to finances or our giving, because we don't understand. So today we're going to talk about biblical structures for giving. Everybody needs to listen. We have new people coming all the time. So we need to build from ground zero. We need to build, you know, from a neutral start so that everybody gets every point. But also, those of you who are more mature in the Lord... Those of you who have maybe heard this a thousand times, I am equally, equally talking to you. Believe me, equally talking to you. Because if you let these principles drift, you will drift. You will drift. And your heart will grow cold. You won't know why. But I tell you, the love of money is the... It's the root. That's correct. All manifestations, and we get duped by the manifestations, we think, well, the problem is this. Okay, that's the problem, but the root is... The root is finance. The root is finance. And in many, 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 many problems that are within marriages, within homes, within Christian... These are the fruits on the tree. But when you actually analyze the whole thing and you trace it back to the root... The root is finance. Jesus was right. Scripture is right. You know, the root of all manner of evils, all manner of manifestations. Before we look at the biblical structure for giving, at the top of your notes there this morning, some errors that I hear people say in this church, not too much in this church, thank God, but you hear them say when you speak about money anywhere, and you'll often hear Christians say to you, and I warn you, don't let your friends talk like this. And if your friends talk like this, get some new friends. I'm serious. Don't play games with this stuff. Anybody starts spouting this, I can't stand negative people or people who are corrupting churches or speaking badly about churches and pastors. You know what I mean? Heaven's above. Get a life. So be careful. Don't let your, lend your ear to that or you won't be hearing from God. Look at this first one. People will say about me or about this church, all they ever do is talk about money. Right? I've heard that said in here once actually. Now, I'll let you answer that question. Is that true or false? False. Hallelujah. You're absolutely true it's false. (laughs) Right? It is totally false. We have done many series, haven't we? The mystery of Israel, great apostasy, planting churches in the last days. I could go on. I could name about 15 or 20. And only two of them concern money. Yet, I hope you're listening, someone will come up to you. Some of your friends 
and say all they ever do is talk about money and you will agree. Silly, isn't it? How easily swayed we are. That is not true. In fact, if anything, I'm imbalanced. I should speak more about money. If you're actually going to do a biblical list of percentages, I'm coming in under what I should do. Less. In other words, I'm teaching less on it than I actually should do. That's point A, under errors. Point B, we don't need to talk about money. Right? People will say that. We don't need to talk about money. Like we said last week about prayer. Let's not pray, let's just worship. No. Scripture tells us to pray and worship. And we need to talk about finance because no one in Scripture talked more about finance than Jesus. And the fact is, those who don't want to talk about finance are either compromised in their own giving, or they don't want to be challenged on their giving. They know they're wrong. And I would always be very suspicious of the heart of a person who doesn't want to hear about giving. Very suspicious. Something wrong with that person. Something wrong with their attitude. Remember the open air when I was... We had a very successful open air outreach in um, Cardiff. It went on for many years and we used to get great big crowds because of the system then. It was a different year. It was about 20 years ago. And I, I told you this before. There's a couple of guys down the street who saw no success at all. And I felt sorry for them. And one day I went down to them and I said, could I talk? The guys had a big black Bible. Nobody ever stopped. Everybody just detested them and kept walking. And I knew that we could help them. So I went to them one day and I said, could I help you with your open air preaching? And the guy said, no, I don't want your help. You know, and I went back to him again. And as I went back, I walked away from him the second time. I had a word from God. You know, God spoke to me and said, they don't care. I was shocked by that word. What do you mean they don't care? They're preaching every week on the street. They don't care. If they cared, they would ask you to teach them how to do it better. And so it is with teaching on finance. If you don't want that, you don't care about mission. You understand me? If you don't want to hear this, something has been corrupted in your heart. And I advise you to deal with that today. Right? And don't accept that. We need to focus on finance because we need to plant churches. Amen. Amen. It's just, you know, practicalities. And we need to encourage that. And in your cell groups and with those you disciple, please do so. C. Sorry, yes, C. In fact, let me turn to that scripture. I messed up my notes. Luke chapter 16, verse 11. Look at this. Luke chapter 16 and verse 11. So if you have been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who, uh, sorry, so if you have not been trustworthy with handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Right? Amen? Famous scripture. My, 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 my point with this scripture, folks, is every person in this room, if I said, do you want to grow spiritually? You will say, yes. yes. And if I said, okay then, let's talk about your giving, you would say, no. (laughs) Right? But the fact is, if you want to grow spiritually, where does it start? Where does it start? Read it again. It starts with the practical. It starts with your giving. And then he goes to the spiritual. Look at me, eyes forward. Sometimes you just need to hear it from a person. Jesus says, you want to grow? Okay. If I can trust you with finances, then I will give you spiritual riches, growth. Then I will unearth your gifts. Then I will use you in the kingdom. Do you understand? So, does it start with me pursuing the gifts? Does it start with me pursuing ministry? No. Where does it start? Starts with my giving. Okay? Now that, I mean... I think it's a very, very, very important point for us here, folks, that you accept that. I had a phone call not long ago from a certain individual, right? And this guy, I won't say who, but many of you would know him because he's well-known in Scotland. This guy rang me up and I was very surprised. First phone call I've ever had from him. I didn't know he had my number. Hi, hello, how are you doing? (laughs) And he's a good guy, very good guy. Quite an effective leader in this nation. Why are you calling me? Um... He said, I'm not doing very well. I'm struggling. And he started telling me about his past and his life. And he's in a structure very different from mine. 
I said, okay, fine, so what's the problem? He said, well, I've come to a standstill. Right? And he said, if I ring this friend that I've had all my life, I know what he's going to say. And if I ring this friend, I know what he's going to say. But I don't know what you're going to say. So that's why I rang you. Because I've been asking these guys for advice for years. And I'm stuck. So I want to ask you for I said, get over here. Come over. You understand my point? Someone's come to a standstill in their life. And I had to sit that guy down. And I, you know, I had to say to him, look, please, please don't be offended. But I need to take you back to primary truths. I want to talk about your giving. And you could just see his eyes go, what? My giving? I didn't come here to talk about my giving. My life stood still. I say, brother, listen, follow me. I don't have to ask you about your history. I already know it from what you've told me. This is what happened to you. Everybody listen. I can tell you what happened to you. I'll take you back. You gave. I know you gave. You know how I know you gave? Because you told me about the great success. You told me about the spiritual blessings. And now you're telling me you're not experiencing spiritual blessings. So my word to you is give again. Give again. You stopped giving. And when you stopped giving, you stopped growing. So you need to return, repent, was it book of Revelation, right? Repent and do the actions that you did at first. So our giving just doesn't go away. It's not a, a one-off. And I believe that it is the point of stagnation is still connected to my giving. Are you with me? Because there's many of you stuck at this very, very same point. You're stuck with your giving. And I promise you, Scripture will not lie. God will not lie. If you deal with the practical, if you, you know, prove yourself trustworthy as your finances increase, your spirituality will also increase. I warn particularly the Eritreans, as I've done many times before, as you come to this country and you start to prosper and you start to get your jobs and your income, hello! Don't forget the Lord who brought you here. Right. And don't just give in the first six months when you arrive or the first year in gratitude, but you need to keep that and build it in. Build it into your life and build it into your principles through which you operate. When you travel, you see the way, you know, the scripture says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Hey, that's true, right? When you travel, you see the different ways in which different cultures, the manifestation of evil. It's different around the world, you know. Like, for example, in the West, white people, traditionally, I'm talking more so than today, uh, traditionally, white people like, to, like money because they can buy stuff. They like what they can get with it. They spend it. You know? But when you go into Asia or China, traditionally, they love money because they love money. Keep it in the bank. Big, 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 fat bank accounts. Don't spend it. Don't spend anything, right? So you see a different manifestation, but the root is the same. Now, I know that's changed in China because the current generation are spend, spend, spend. Right? There's been a big difference. But... Because we work all over Europe and our mother church is in Singapore, I have seen many crashes or confluence of, 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 of opinion. People think that I'm out to control them. People think that we as a church are trying to control when we start talking about finance. That couldn't be further from the truth. That's not true, friends. So just reject that. That's not the point. God doesn't need your money. Amen? God needs nothing you know, you've got and wants your worship and that. It doesn't mean anything else, right? So don't be fooled. And don't let's judge one another. I'm very patient when it comes to the different congregations and their giving. The Pakistanis, their trans, the whatever, the Indians, the Russians. They're all very different. And you need to have some grace in your heart for the time period, the developmental process of, of, of people's giving. And understand that different cultures have a different attitude to finance. True? Different cultures have a very different attitude to finance. And we lose members in our churches because of cultural clashes, cultural crashes. We lose people 
particularly in Europe, we lose white people because they, they judge us by the way we act. We judge us, you know, by what we do. And it works with finances as well. Leanne, what was the name of that girl who left after what? The student, remember? Chinese, when you put a a book of 20 Chinese people together, right? They tend to do things together. It's a family society, right? But white people is very different. If I took 25 Americans into Glasgow and I said, what do you want to do? I'll get 25 answers, right? And they will go 25 different directions. You get 25 Chinese guys together, bring them into Glasgow. What are we doing? What shall we do today? Am I right? Absolutely. They live as a community. They act as a community. Who's right and who's wrong? Nobody. They're both right. They're just different. But we judge each other. My point, I'm getting to a point with regards to finance. I've never told you this before. (laughs) A friend of mine, a very good giver, a person who's given me more money than anybody else on this planet. He's a very successful businessman. And he came here one weekend to visit this church. And we pulled up outside. I parked across the street and I had some stuff to do in my car. But the door was open. Patrick Shee from Singapore, remember him? He was in the kitchen. This is years ago. And I said to my friend, you go on in, you know, get a cup of tea and I'll join you in a minute. So James walks in, walks down towards the old kitchen area. And he says, hi, I'm with Mike. I'm just going to make a cup of tea. And he goes to put the kettle on. Now, money saving (laughs) Patrick says, don't put the kettle on, use the flask. (laughs) now James he likes his tea and he doesn't want lukewarm water he's also got lots of staff and he's a very strong individual so he turned and he said I don't want to use the flask when did you boil the water and Patrick said no you're not allowed to put the kettle on just use the flask so James turned round and he walked out of the church and he met me coming in and he said to me I wouldn't join your church they're too stingy to put the kettle on that's what he said (laughs) That's what he said. Now you see, what you've got there is you've got a, a, a clash of cultures. Who's right and who's wrong? They're both right. Are you with me? They're both right. There's nothing wrong with what Patrick's trying to do in terms of finance. He's trying to save funds. That's good. There's nothing wrong with what James, he just wants a cup of tea. Give the guy a cup of tea. Get some space. Get some grace. And the way we deal with each other, we handle each other. But I tell you what, folks, you see, that that little uh, event that happened out there, those two individuals misinterpreted one another financially. James looked at Patrick and thought, you care more about money than you care about me. And in his heart, he would have said, you know what, I'm more important than that kettle. Right? And that's the way it can be perceived. But at the same time, Patrick could, I'm not saying he did, he's a great guy, but Patrick could have said, well, you don't care. You see, they're both wrong to take that perspective. My, my point is, folks, uh, you, you, we need to appreciate the rights and wrongs, the ups and downs, and the differences within our cultures when it comes to finances. And we need to learn from one another because there's good in every tradition. There's good stuff in every culture, in every race, every creed. You need to pick up what's in there and follow it and spit out the bones as it were. Top of your notes again, a few of the no-nos the Bible gives. Matthew chapter 6 verse 31. Look at this. Matthew chapter 6 verse 31. So do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. For the pagans run after all these things. And you know that your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Right? So, please don't answer this question out loud. Around the world, a lot of people have been led astray by the prosperity doctrine. Right? Any thought that I... If a Christian pursues wealth, Eyes forward, look at me. I want you to, don't answer the question out loud. If a Christian pursues money, are they right or wrong to do so? Don't answer. If a Christian pursues wealth and money, are they right or wrong to do so? The answer to the question is wrong. They are wrong to do so. Do not, read it again. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? 
And what shall we work for the pagans? That's what the world does. They run after all the things of this world. But you're different. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. He will prosper you, no problem. But He will do it in a way that won't destroy you. But what's happened... See, folks, there's a difference between error, being in error, and sin. We have a whole generation, the last 40 years particularly that have grown up being told, pursue wealth, pursue wealth. And many of them don't know what's right or what's wrong. They're in error. But once you know what's right, then you're in sin. Are you with me? Amen. Okay? It's very pertinent today in this, at this time. Because I think in the last sort of 10 years, there's been a degree of knowledge that's gone out in the world where people should be more balanced. I believe that God will prosper me. But I believe that my heart... And my giving must always be kingdom focused. And my, it's prosperity with a purpose. It's money that has a mission. Right? That's the reason for it. And yes, God will increase your stores, it says in Corinthians. The more you sow and the more you prove yourself in this, the more he can trust you and not destroy you. But is it right for Christians to pursue money? No, it is not right. It never was right. Just stick with the book. Don't deviate from what it says. Relax, believe what you read. No, I should not pursue this. I should pursue the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Okay, don't compromise it. Don't get taken up by everything you hear out there. Okay, stay with the book, stay with the Bible and follow that. Number two, the no-nos. Don't pursue wealth for wealth's sake, rather pursue the kingdom. Do not love money. Number three, do not hasten to get rich. I'll read this one. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. Those who want to get rich in this life fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Well, that's nice and clear, isn't it? Is that clear or not? It's very clear. I hope you're listening today. I hope you're listening with your spirit. My point, primary point as we start this message you will be suffering from problems and issues in your life, but you don't connect them to your given. You think they're disconnected, but they're not. They're not. Issues, you know, all manner of problems actually have their root back to this thing, finance. I'm afraid so, folks. Sorry. That's just the nature of the way the earth is made, the way we work. Number four, I'm sorry, I didn't put that on your notes. Don't trust in riches. And you can trust in riches. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. I tell you folks, God, God cannot get finance to some of you because finance would destroy you. You couldn't handle it. You couldn't cope with it. I mean, what? I lost two people in the last couple of years on this. Good people. Both of them. Because they received money. One man had nothing. 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 And what is he doing? Following God, faithful in church, worshipping God, praying. Everything's hunky-dory and he looks like a great man. But then all of a sudden he gets a load of money. And he comes to me and says, what do I do? I says, very simple. You tithe, you this, you that. He's gone. He's gone. When he only had five pounds in his pocket, he could trust God. But now he's got like loads of money, he can't trust God. Once he was full of faith, now he's just full of fear. So, you see, I don't see God in that blessing. The devil can bless you as well. Don't fret when the wicked prosper, because they do and they can. So you be very careful of this. It's got a great power to corrupt. Another woman was so convicted in one of our evening services about finances that at the end of the meeting she came forward and she was crying her eyes out and she waited till everybody was gone. Said, I want to talk to you. Same thing. Good woman. Woman of God. Faithful prayer. But she just came under conviction. She sat there and said, Oh, I need to repent. I've got a hidden bank account. I've stashed away secret money. I said, Okay, okay, listen, God's a good God. No problem, no problem. I think she had 75,000 pounds. That's a lot of money. You know? So I'm not interested in it. You don't need to tell me about your past. God's not interested. God will kick it from here. And it's not the end of the world for you. This is what we're going to do. You need to tithe off that. You need to pay the tax man. Okay? You need to declare it. I've done a lot of work with tax. The tax guy will be okay with you. Okay? You, you, you're not going to be in trouble. You'll be in trouble if you just leave it hidden. 
Bring it into the light. And we'll deal with it, okay? You'll be safe, but you need to declare that money and sanctify it, as it were. Well, she didn't let me finish. She got up and she, she started walking away, you know. She started leaving. I thought, you're leaving because you're not going to do what I say. I never saw her again. I saw her once down at a bus stop. And as she was turning and she was walking away, I just got one little last line into her and I said, do you know what? All of that can be gone in one day. Trust me. All of that can be gone in a single day. You do not know what tomorrow holds. So do not trust. I didn't put it on your notes. Write it in. Do not trust in wealth. Do not put your trust in wealth. Remember the story about the man who built bigger barns and bigger barns and Jesus said, don't you know that this very night your life could be demanded from you? What are you thinking? Don't think like the pagans. Don't think like the world. Don't trust in riches. Don't trust in wealth. I had a great experience, I told you, when I was in Bulgaria. That was a really good experience. I really enjoyed that experience. It blessed me. I didn't have any money. I only had something like 500 quid or something. And when you're traveling, that's not much because you see many needs. There's poverty. There's, there's churches that need this. And it's very difficult to keep anything in your pocket. And this particular group of churches I was with, I just didn't keep anything. I left myself with nothing. I gave away, in, it's a different currency, leather. I gave away about 500 quid or something. And there I am in another country. I'm okay. I've got my ticket. I've got my credit cards. I'll be all right. But with that money in another land, it's difficult not to trust in it. I trust it. I've got to keep it. got to keep it. Don't let it go. Stay away. And, and I, I thank God for the liberty to just, you know what? The pagans run after all that. Don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Who's going to get you to the airport? Don't worry about catching that plane. Don't worry about... Don't worry about those things. Your Heavenly Father already knows that you need them. And remember, the following day, after I gave that money away, I actually had nothing. I went to a meeting. Now, in Bulgaria, believe me, it's a poverty-stricken country. You get nothing. Nobody ever gives you anything. And the following day, shock of all shocks, a church I was ministering in for the first time, the pastor took me out after the meeting, and he handed me the biggest wad of notes you've ever seen in your life. I thought, goodness me. And he said, that's for you. And we just want to thank you for your work in Bulgaria. Well, double, you know, that's the equivalent of like a lot of money in this country, what they gave me. And I know what that was is the endorsement of not trusting in this world. No. You with me? And God's just saying, just let it go. Let it go. Don't be like the pagans. Counting your cash. Adding up your bank accounts. Seeing how much you've got. How much is it growing? You build your little house of cards. Believe me, you're tempting God to blow it down. Aren't you? Come on. You build your little plastic houses of cards and you're tempting the Lord. Don't tempt me. Because in one day I can wipe you out. You do not know what tomorrow holds. None of us do. Be very careful. These notes contain basically the four steps. If you could go to the tithe one. Okay, just take a look at There are four stages of giving. And if you're not operating in them, I want you to begin operating in them today. And it will lead you to spiritual growth. Amen. It will lead you to unearth your gifts. Jesus. When people don't give, and they use their gifts, you know what the Bible calls it? Strange fire. Strange fire. That's why people get quirky and odd and weird. Because they're trying to operate in the giftings without having the sanctification or the commitment levels within their spirit and the whole thing becomes fake and false. Look at this. I like this slide because it's wrong. It's error. Anybody tell me why it's error? Read the book. Leanne, come on. You wrote the book. (laughs) I make a whip now like Jesus did. You should listen. What is it? What's wrong? No. You pride yourself and you're giving. Is there one person? God, Jesus, would you forgive us, Lord? God, forgive us. What a wicked generation. John. Thank you, John. He's right. Anybody else? Tithing is not giving. That's what's wrong with this slide. Your tithe is a debt. You don't, you, you don't give your gas bill. 
You don't give the money to the phone bill. You pay it. And you don't give your tithe. Beautiful slide. Wonderful. Written by somebody who doesn't understand scripture or understand the basis or the destructive attitudes that can be framed in the mind that someone who pays 10% into the church should ever think that they're a giver because you're not. You're not a giver. You haven't even begun to give. And this is what stunts people. It is primary school, and that's my point. No matter how often you preach these things, no matter how many times you tell people, and I put the PowerPoints up, we give you all the book, you go home, and you're still as deaf as that wall. Because it's spiritual. These things are spiritually perceived. And you don't get it. You need to start obeying, and then your ears will open. Are you with me? Start obeying God. Start putting into practice what I'm telling you to do, and then you'll start to hear. And you would pick that up so fast. Your tithe, you don't give your tithe. And if all you do is put 10% of what your gross income is into the basket, you're still not a giver. In fact, you're stuck at what is the most primary point in life. Look, if I said the minimum I require is one hour a week from every member to be in this church, everybody's got to be here one hour a week. Now, if a member came in, and they look at the watch, 30 minutes are gone, only got 30 minutes left, and I'm out of here, 45 minutes, 50, 59 minutes, coat on, back, yeah, 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 60, gone. Is that a good attitude? And so it is with the tithe. The tithe is the bare minimum, the bare minimum that God re- requires, Right? So you're, you're obligated to bring in 10% of your gross income into this church or the church you attend, right? Don't send your tithe to anybody else. Your tithe should be in the church that you go to. Having a conversation on the phone yesterday, Pastor Fred, about this and some other churches we're working with at the moment. I was forbidding them to, to contradict that law, right? Because they're coming in, they're going to do stuff with us. And I sent an email out saying, no, I forbid anybody to disturb the tithe within the local house. If you give it somewhere else, it's not called a tithe, it's called an offering. And these are principles that should not be broken. But I warn you folks, uh, uh, I think this is just, Paul said, this is me, not the Lord, remember? Well, this is me, not the Lord. This is me talking. It's not scriptural, it's just what I think. I think a person who only tithes is in a dangerous place. I think they're in a dangerous place and they would need to be careful that that doesn't do them more harm than good. Because it it can be dangerous if I look at my 59 minutes and 50 seconds and I'm out the door. I wonder how long God's going to be happy with me. If all I give is my 10%, I wonder how long God is going to not pay attention and say, you know what? One cold heart there. There was a combined celebration in Dublin of five or six African churches. And the biggest church in the city, in St. Mark's Church, and I was ministering there. I happened to be on giving, you know. And I I told you, there was a famine in Africa, and they put up a slide about the famine, and they said they were going to take up an offering to, to send back to Africa to help fund the famine, you know. So the offering went round and they took up and I got my wallet and if I remember correctly, I think I had 40 pounds and I just put the whole 40 quid in. These guys are dying. I've got food in my cupboard. So I put everything I had in that. They took up their tithing offering. They had a second offering for the famine. And then the meeting got on and they did some dramas or whatever, you know. And I'm standing waiting to preach. But the pastor made a big mistake. He got up and he read out the amount that they'd collected for Africa, from the Africans. And it was something like 52 pounds. There's about 200 people there. So that means I put in 40, and all of you, all of you, put in 12. Are you real? So you can forget my message. You can imagine the state I was in when I got up. I rebuked them. What a useless bunch. What an evil, wicked bunch that your own people can be dying. And you, don't tell me you haven't got it, because I know you've got it. I could actually calculate, because you get benefits, you get this, that, and the other. 
Do you know what? I'm getting to a point. My point is, folks, I guarantee you they're tithing. I guarantee you that they're, because I know them. They're a tithing church. So well dressed. Come on Sunday and pride themselves. I pay my tithe. But actually, the problem is, just paying the tithe doesn't change us. Doesn't change us. Doesn't change our personality. Doesn't change our character. It's just, if you like, there are benefits that are mentioned in Malachi. Benefits of protection and addition. But it's a dangerous place to be if you stay there only. Because it is not the only level of giving that's mentioned in Scripture. The next level of giving is the free will offering. And this is different. It's a completely different thing. You know when you've got raising kids and they have a bag of sweets and they don't want to share. Is that a nice trait? That's a horrible trait. And you will teach that child, give your sweets to your friend. Share your sweets. If you're still doing that when they're 30 years old or 40 years old, then they never learn the lesson. They should, as very quickly, they should learn to give of their own free will. And that's, it's a different type of giving. I am obligated to pay my tithe, but it doesn't change my personality. I can still be miserable, stingy. In fact, some people, the most faithful tithers are often miserable people. <laughs> Sorry, but they are. Hard-hearted, immovable, immovable. Can't shift them, nothing moves them. Because I pay my tithe, I pay my tithe, I pay my tithe. Don't say that because I pay my tithe. A misunderstanding that that was just your arrival on the you know, platform of God, if you like, and now he wants to take you on a journey that changes your whole, all of you, changes your personality to begin with by making you a giver. This is where giving starts, by the way. So far we've paid our debt, our tithe, 10% of our gross income. Then after that, we look for a cause like Russia, <laughs> we look for a cause, we look like, at something we want to give to. So, I've given 10%, that leaves me with 90%. Say I want to give 20% as a free will offering, that leaves me now with 70%. Now I've still got to pay my bills. Got to pay my gas. So it's getting low. It's getting to the point where, next slide please, it's getting to the point where I'm going to have to make a sacrifice. I'm going to have to give something up in order to meet the desire of my growing spirit to fulfill that need. Do you follow me? I hope you follow me. <laughs> right? So, we're starting to grow as people. Our personality is being changed. We've become obedient to God by tithing. Our personality is changed by free will giving. We become happy givers. And then, God, this, this is about your character. Through sacrificial gifts, not your personality... It's a very different thing. God starts to dig down deep into the very, you know, core of your character, who you are and what you will do in your service of God and your service in the kingdom. I've shown you this many times because it, it, it can drive you crazy in churches. You know, scripture speaks of three levels on which we operate. Jesus, I won't read it, but in Luke chapter 17, Jesus said, the servant works all day in the field. And then he comes home, extra, okay, paid his tithe. <laughs> then he comes home and he makes his master his dinner. And Jesus says, does this servant get a thank you? No, because he has only done his duty. Okay, the next level up is really our service. It's that we know God has gifted us, he's blessed us, we've received finance. And we give of our own free will. My point today is, folks... Your giving, your giving affects your personal development. Your giving affects all the areas of your growth and your character and your. Per These things are intertwined, inextricable. We would like to compartmentalize them, but Scripture doesn't actually do that. So I warn you: be careful. My favorite church to minister in in the whole world. That was, you know, don't go to that many, but. This one is a great one. It's in Bucharest. It's not one of our churches. It's an independent church. Quite a big church. They've got a couple of million pound building. About 400 congregation. And 
I ministered there about three or four times. And the first time I was there, I th- it was overwhelming. I thought, man, this place is fantastic. But at the back of my mind, I thought they must have been having a good Sunday. And then I went back again. And it was fantastic. It was overwhelming. I'm back again. And it's, I'm thinking, whoa, it's not a good Sunday. The, 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 the Spirit of God is in this place. Do you know why? <laughs> I figured it out. Sacrifice. Not the tithe. And it's offerings to some degree, but it's actually sacrifice. When the sacrifice goes up from your life, the Lord comes down to get it. Amen. Right? He comes down like the fire fell on the altar. When the sacrifice was just right, everything had to be right, down came the fire of God. And so it is in that place. I know that that pastor has an active pursuit of sacrificial giving that's operative within his church. And the last level of giving is the faith bits, you know, which is what we're doing today. The Missions Faith Pledge. We make this twice a year. We make, we make our faith pledge twice a year. It's a very important part. This is a very important part of our lives and a very important part of your growth. Every six months, eyes forward, every six months we fill out one of these. So I want you to do the mental mathematics in your brain right now. You know what you earn every month. Take away 10%. Get the figure in your mind. Now I want you to think about who or what you want to give to and what percentage you think is right. Could be 5% more, could be 10% more. So your 10% is gone. Now I want you to think about what do you feel comfortable with? What do you think God is speaking to you for your free will offering? Then I want you to think What would I be willing to sacrifice? What can I give up that would enable me to give even more? Remembering, of course, that God doesn't need it. He has a completely different agenda. He intends to help you grow, to bring you up in the kingdom, and to use you in ways beyond your wildest dreams. But you're going to have to cooperate with the process, and this process is the same for all of us. You see, I I have, me, here, I have perfect faith on some things. I have great faith on some things. And I have little faith on some things. So do you, right now, today. If you're born again, I doubt that there's a person that is not operating in all three of these. What do I mean? Well, I mean this. Little faith. You've got little faith because God spoke to you. You knew something, but you weren't able to receive it, right? You knew he spoke to you. He said something. You knew it was God. But the doubts and the waves of the sea, your little faith caused you to lose it. And you did not gain that inheritance. Remember? Remember? Oh yes, well you should remember. But also, God spoke to you another time. You heard the word, but you overcame the doubts. You overcame the waves. The Bible calls that great faith. So you have had great faith. I trust You should have had, right? But also, at some point in your life, God spoke to you and you didn't doubt at all. That's called perfect faith. God spoke to you. If you're a Christian, at some point God has spoken to you and no matter what happened, you knew that that thing was going to happen. So you already have had previous experience in operating in all of these things, folks. All of us. And God's goal is to get us up to this place. Where he can speak his word, and no matter what waves come, no matter what happens, you're steadfast, you're true, and you're able to receive and give. As it says in Corinthians, as we begin to give more, he increases, and we're able to give out, give out, give out in a place of security. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I don't hear for a week or something, you know, from God, and it concerns me. But these last few weeks, I've been hearing every time I turn around. About you, this person, that person, this situation, that situation. The very busy airwaves. Yesterday afternoon, God spoke to me again. Tell them about the the figure of 11 that I gave you. And I I forgive you if you heard this before, but God wants you to remember this. Look at me, listen. When we fill out the faith pledge form, we ask you to seek God for a number, a figure. That he gives you. It's very important. Because he wants you to become accustomed with hearing the word and then seeing it happen. 
Nothing will change you more. It's phenomenal. It's great. So, uh, I can't remember, six years ago or something, God spoke to us in our faith pledge. Faith pledge Sunday comes, and I got a crystal clear word. Give 11,000 pounds. This is over six months. That's nearly as much as we earn. That's our entire income. Give 11,000 pounds in your pledge today. And I told her, this is correct. I know it's right. Okay, can we agree? She's very good. She said, no, no, what did you do? Yes. So we put down, okay, 11,000 pounds. Don't know how that's going to happen, no. And the first month goes by, we haven't got it. Second month goes by, we haven't got it. And I'm scrimping and saving. By the way, I never feel pressurized with those things. It's, God's a good God. He's not going to stump me. He's a good God. He's trying to teach me something. So, it was about the fourth month, I think, and the phone rang with our tax man in Ireland, and it was a great phone call from a tax man. And I remember his opening line. He said, do you want the good news or the good news? That's a strange thing for a tax man to say, isn't it? And you remember the story. He said to me, I, I, I'm, I'm, he's a tax consultant. He helps me avoid tax. Not evade, not evade, avoid. And he said, Mike, I've got an apology to make. I screwed up your accounts when you sold your properties. I had five properties I sold. I screwed up your accounts. And it's just showing up on my system now, like three years later. We owe you 22000 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I, I, as I say, he was on the phone. And I remember what I did. I turned to you and I said, faith pledge. Sorry, Kevin. Carry on. It's the faith pledge. God wanted to do double. 11 and 22. He wanted to bless me back double. And that's why he said 11. Are you with me? And I understood that he, he was saying to me, if you trust me, I'll prove myself to you. I'll give you that double portion, Daniel. I will give it to you. But you're going to have to step out in faith and obey me when I speak. Learn, listen, hear, and then obey my word. That's all we're asking you to do, folks. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be suspicious of us or of God because it will cripple your growth spiritually and you'll end up like those people in that church in Dublin that just pride themselves on something that God hates. I should have left this. Forgive me. I have to find my sheet now. I go over to Asia, a lot. And many of you are Asians. And in this part of the world, in Asia, they're very good on giving. Discipleship, church planting, and giving. I give them 10 out of 10 for the mechanics, for the how-tos of that. Fantastic. But they're very poor on eschatology, end times, and very poor on the relational side the relational development side of giving. There's a disconnect. And as you go around the world, you see that in Europe, they talk in Europe, white guys, American, they talk about relationships, they talk about your personality changes, they write loads of books about it. Character and love, 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 love. And I only wish that we could begin to put the two things together. Because they are together. You're giving is connected to your growth. Your giving is connected to your personality being changed. Your giving is connected to your character being molded to be like Christ. Shall we read the scriptures again? Or are you reading them with your brain and not with your spirit? Reading them with resistance. And I, I see great strengths in both sides of the world. It's funny these things also relate to many other areas, but today, finance... So as many of you have been raised with that teaching, all I ask you to do is embrace the benefits and let the benefits take a grip of you. Next week, we're going to take up our Missions Faith Pledge for the next six months. You can take the form home and you can fill it out through this week. Pray as families, pray as individuals. But I warn you folks, eyes forward just a moment. Begin by paying your tithe. If you don't pay your tithe, forget it. Just forget it. Okay? Don't talk about offerings. Don't talk about anything else. Start with your tithe. And then come to the place where you're willing to make a free will offering so that God can put a smile on that face. Right? It's happy giving. 
And then think about some sacrifice you're willing to make. Think it through. Count the cost before you start that tower. I'm willing, I know, Lord, that I'm willing to do this. Each person should give willingly. You see what God's after? A heart like his. A heart like his. One day he turned to the workers and the laborers, didn't he? He said, are you, are you angry because I'm a generous? Are you angry because I'm a generous God? Can you not accommodate me and you? So don't get snagged up with the cares of this life, folks. Cement your relationship. Those of you who are not tithing, bring in your tithe. Give a free will offering and do it with a happy heart. Begin to sacrifice in ways and levels that you've never done and let your character be changed at deep levels. And ultimately, you know, the goal, the finish line, when all of this is over, look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. This is the culmination. This is the bottom line. This is the, the goal of God for you and your giving and your growth. Galatians chapter, six, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is what? Faith expressing itself through love. Eyes forward. This is the conclusion of your growth. The only thing that we should be left with when we've come through the process. Paul says, do you know what? When this is all over, the only th- the goal of God, the final goal of God was love. The final goal was I would be experiencing and being a channel of the love of God. And he uses finance as one of the primary roots to grow you and develop you. And my appeal to you, and Paul's appeal to you, don't resist it. Don't resist it. Go with the flow. And when this is all over, your faith pledge is not that so you become a great person of faith. There are many people who have great faith, but they've got no love. Amen. Amen. You better believe it. Many people with lots of faith but no love at all. They got waylaid. They missed the point. Oh, my last faith pledge was blah, blah. You missed the point. That's not the point. When all is said and done, the only thing that's left should be our faith expressing itself through the love of God flowing through us. If the Bible taught something else, that's what we would say. It doesn't. It teaches that. And you become holistic, whole, healthy, growing Christian. Not dependent on this world or being shaken by every change in the stock market. You become a citizen of a different kingdom with a different mindset and in some ways above it all. Amen?